So today we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 um, today, and I've been preaching through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 15. And now we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Um, 7 through 9, and we are preaching through a theme that I'm calling sex, singleness, marriage, and divorce. Sex, singleness, marriage, and divorce. Um, and where I got that theme from is because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, all the way through chapter 7, those are the themes that Paul is talking about. Sex, singleness, marriage, and divorce. Um, so this is a, um, a, a, a hard topic to talk about. Um, um, churches don't talk about it. Pastors don't talk about it. Because this is a topic that won't grow your church. But I'm not here to grow the church. I'm here to educate and disciple people to grow the kingdom of God. So I'm just so grateful that God has placed it on my heart um, to preach this. As a matter of fact, um, I was meeting with a, a pastor and he asked me what I'm preaching on. He said, wow, that's heavy. Um, so <laughs> definitely, definitely is. Um, and it's something today as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. Thank you all for coming and showing up at this time. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, verse 7, starting at verse 7. This is Paul speaking. Paul said, For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and the other in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. On this morning, I would like to speak to you from the topic, a word for the sing singles. A word for the singles. A word for the singles. Here, uh, as we've been uh, going through the book of Corinth, uh, we have learned that uh, Corinth was a place of sexual morality. Um, as a place that was infested with uh, sexual deviation and morality and explicit sexual conduct. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the uh, theologians and scholars were, 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 were talk so bad about this uh, place uh, sexually, um, but, but it's strange to me that um, in all this that they are enduring, I believe we are enduring as well. They were inundated with, with sexual activities. As a matter of fact, it was so so bad in, in, in Corinth that they were that men would go up to the temple um, of this goddess, um, a ferrite, and they would go up to this goddess, and she was called the love goddess, and they would go into her temple and have sex with prostitutes in the temple and called it worship. It was it was so much uh, erotic and, and and sexual morality that's going on in this place. And I don't think that we are too far. As a culture, as a society, I, I think we're in the same place. I mean, wherever we go, we see sex everywhere. We see it on our, our phones, we see it on the TV, we see it in magazines, we see it at bus stops, we, we see it in commercials. Matter of fact, Burger King, a years ago, had a commercial where the supermodel bit into, it was doing a Super Bowl, she took a bite into uh, the Whopper. And now the Whopper is one of the, the top selling 
hamburger in a chain restaurant or chain fast food place than any other burger. All because a, a, a supermodel got on TV with a bikini on and bit into a Whopper. This, 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 this how much sex sale. This, this is where we at. And it's, it's everywhere. It's in our communities. It's in our home. It's in our churches. It's in, it's in our cities and our states. It's with the young people. It's with the middle-aged people. And it's with the older people as well. And here, at this time, God has, 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 has caused me to open up this, this scripture and, and really just educate us as believers. Because all the sexual immorality that was going on, guess what? It crept into the church. In the church of Corinth, they had a gentleman in there that was sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul addresses that issue. Paul addresses that issue because the church didn't address it. The church knew that it was happening and they didn't say anything about it. And Paul came down on the church and said, you are wrong because you refuse to address your brother in this sin. But you quick to address those outside the church. You quick to address those who are not believers, but you won't even address those who are believers. So Paul comes and he addresses these issues. And today he addressed the issue of singleness. He addressed the issue of singleness. The first thing he says, he says here, he says, I wish that you were all as I am. Paul says right here in verse number seven, he says, he says, Paul, Paul addressed the singles. He says to the singles, for I wish that all men were even as myself. He says, I, I, I wish that the singles was, was as me. I wish that, th that these men and women was as me. And that's an interesting statement that Paul says here because there's two views that are, that are considered when Paul say this statement. The first view is that Paul, when he says, I wish that all singles was like me, is saying that I wish that everyone was a single, was single. I wish that everyone was single. Now, in the biblical times, singleness was those who wasn't married and those who were widows. They didn't consider the divorce as single in biblical times. And we will look at that next week when we go into divorce and marriage. But anyway, so Paul says that I, I wish that everyone was, was, was single. That's a view that, that people believe that Paul is saying when he said, I wish that, that, that people were single. I wish that, 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 that people were single like me. And Paul talks about later on in chapter 7 why he wished that people were single or gives some evidence of why he wished that people were single. He says because the single folks can worship God a little more than the married folks. He said the single folks got more time, Tim, on their hands. The single folks, Sister Tara, got more time on their hands to worship God. I mean, to serve God than the married folks. So Paul says, Paul says, one view is Paul saying that he wished that everyone was single. He wished that everyone was single and not married so they can worship God truly and, and fully through the grace that God has given them. But the second view here, when Paul says, I wish that every man was like me, he said that I, I, I wish that everyone, all the singles were celibate like me. See, see now Paul, Paul, Paul changes up. It's another view. There's another view that, that, that's saying Paul's saying he wished that, that all singles were celibate. And this is the view I hold because, and I'm going to show you why I hold this view when we get to the rest of the text. Paul not saying he wished that everybody was single. He's not saying that. Because if Paul was saying that, then he contradicted himself because in Ephesians, he talked about, the, the, about marriage and he hold marriage to the highest standard ever in the earthly, in, um, here on earth. 
So he, he looks at marriage in Ephesians and he hold it up high because that's the institution, the highest earthly institution that God created is marriage. So Paul cannot wish that all men were single like him. So he had to be saying something else. And he's saying, I wish that all singles was like I, which is celibate. See, I had to look up that word celibate. The word celibate actually means to restrain from marriage or having sexual relations. So, but that's interesting to me because Paul was married at one time. Paul was married right now in the text where he writing, he's not married, but, but Paul was married because he was a Jew and also because he was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a part of the Sanhedrin um, 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 set. So in the Sanhedrin set, the, the rules were you had to be married. So at some point, Paul was married. We don't know when, we don't know how, but at some point he was married because he couldn't be a Sanhedrin if he wasn't married. So he was married at some point, but, it, but scholars believe uh, where they really don't know, but they said his wife either left him when he became a Christian or his wife passed away. But we know that he was married. So Paul at this stage said, I, I wish that them singles were celibate. I, I, I wish that if you was a, if you, you, for the singles to, to restrain from marriage and restrain from sexual reality, I mean, sexual relationships. He said, I wish that they were celibate. I wish you were like me. You had self-control over your sexual appetite. I wish that the singles had, had self-control over their self-desires, over their pleasing themselves sexually. Paul says, I wish they were, were, were like me. A celibate. And then Paul says something else. Paul says, not only do I wish you were like me, but then Paul kind of changed the, where he's going because now he comes back in verse number uh, 7b and he says here in verse number 7b, look what he says. He says that not only do I wish that you were, were like me, but he says, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and one in another manner. Paul says, the second thing he says is not only that I wish that everyone was like me, which he wished that everyone was celibate, but then he comes back and he said, but I now Paul recognized that they are gifts. So Paul says, I, I wish that everyone was celibate, but I understand that everybody can't be celibate. He said, I understand that, that the singles can't be celibate. He says, I understand this because, because celibacy is a gift. Oh, my God, this 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 going to challenge some of the people who know the Bible. This is going to challenge some of the pastors. Watch this. He says that celibacy is a gift. Look what he says. He says right here, he says, but each one has his own gift from God. So Paul is not saying singleness is a gift. I know y'all heard that before. Preachers say, yeah, singleness is a gift. No, it's not. That's not a gift. Celibacy is a gift. That's a gift. When he's speaking here, he's speaking of celibacy. He said, this is a gift. And guess what? It's a gift from God. He said, so guess what? Singles, if you can't restrain yourself, you ain't got that gift of celibacy. <laughs> Come on, that was a joke now. If, if, if you got to have sex, you ain't got the gift. And, and we all know, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, that God is the one that delivered gifts, that God is the one that gives gifts to everyone. And this is a spiritual gift that God has given to single people or to certain people to be celibate. I mean, it's strange when you see people don't have a man and don't want a man or don't have a woman and don't want a woman. You, we ask like something wrong with them. 
man, you Jesus, my man, or Jesus, my wife. What? No, nah, Jeanette, my wife. <laughs> like what? I, I, you can't fathom that. But God, but Paul says here, it is a gift of celibacy. No, it's not like um, it's not found in a list of spiritual gifts. But here he lets us know that this is a gift. That celibacy is a gift so everyone cannot control their sexual desires because you don't have to give. He said, but it's some singles who do. So this is why this is why we got to be careful when our singles are not with someone, put pressure on them to go get someone. Because maybe God has given them the gift of celibacy so they can use their gift to bless him. Uh, y'all singles, y'all, y'all it's rough in here. Married people say amen. Lord, I see the, the single. We must don't have no singles in here that got celibacy, the gift of celibacy. Huh? And do we have any online? Ain't none, none of us don't have it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The married people, they just saying, yeah, get on the singles, get on the singles. But I got y'all next week. So look, he says, he says, look, this is a gift. Staying sexually pure is a gift. A cold shower is not going to work. Not wearing the right perfume or cologne is not going to work. Ducking men and women is not going to work. It's a gift that God has distributed to people. And the gift comes from God. That, that's some good stuff right there. It says that it comes from God. And when it comes from God, that means that you have the strength to walk in that thing. That you have the strength to live in that thing. That you have the strength to deny your sexual desires because God has given you the gift to deny it in celibacy. My God, my God, look what he said. I told y'all, Pastor Reed, I told you pray. This is a hard sermon. I'm going up here on here. I'm, y'all looking at me funny and everything. I'm about done, though. I'm about done. So he says, Paul recognized that this is a gift. He says celibacy is a gift. But then he comes back and he says, but to one another. So now he says there's a second gift. And that second gift is a gift of marriage. The gift of marriage. So Paul says that I desire that everyone be like me, which is celibate, but I understand that there are two gifts. One is the gift of celibacy and the other is the gift of marriage. So I understand that everybody can't be like me. Paul said, that's my desire. I wish that everyone could be like me, but I understand they can't because it's gifts that they have. And some got the gift of celibacy, but the other got the gift of marriage. God, thank you for giving me the gift of marriage. I praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Any married people, oh, y'all must not be happy with y'all spouses, but I'm happy with mine. Thank you, Lord God, for giving me that gift. He says, look, he says, here's the gift. It's a gift of marriage. Marriage is a gift. It's not something we do. It's not something, oh, I've been living with him or living with her all this time. We might as well go get married. No, he says it's a gift that is given to some people. So you got to treat your marriage as a gift. You got to understand that woman you marry is the daughter of God. That man you married is the, man, is the son of God. He's washed in the blood. She's washed in the blood. This is God's child. And you got to treat them like it's God's child. You can't beat on them. You can't abuse them financially, physically, emotionally. You got to take care of them because they belong to God. Say, this is a gift. This is a gift. Said Paul recognized that everyone couldn't be like him. He recognized that, 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 that there are gifts, that we got gifts of celibacy and we have gifts of, of, um, of marriage. So Paul says, here it is. So what are you saying, Paul? What are you saying to the singles? He said to the singles, I wish you were like me, but I understand you can't be like me because some of you all may not have the gift. 
Some of you all may not have the gift of celery seal. You have the gift of merch. But then Paul come right now in verses eight and nine, and he tell us what to do. He said, for my singles, if you don't have the gift of marriage and you burning with sexual desires, he said, Paul says, go get married. That's the third thing I want you to see. Paul says, go get married. Look what he says. I'm not making this up. He says right here, number eight, he said, but I say to the unmarried, that's those singles and to the widows, the singles, he said, it is good for them if they remain as I am. But if they they cannot, y'all see that transition, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them go get married. He says, if you're having problems with controlling yourself sexually, go get married. And guess what? Now you're not sinning. You're doing what God has called you to do. you operating in your gift. Oh, my God, you operating in the gift that God has given you, and now you're not outside of the will of God. You're inside the will of God because now you are married and you operate in the sexual confinements that God's deem is holy. So he says, if you're struggling, and look what he says. He says at the end of verse number nine, he says, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Oh, my God. Man, oh, man. When I read that, oh, do y'all know how I feel to burn with passion? Or y'all going to fake like y'all holy? Oh, my God. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that. Anybody online, y'all with me, show some hearts, hands on Zoom, raise your hand, do something, say, yeah, I understand. Anybody remember passion uh, for our married folks? Uh, our single folks, anybody gonna be anybody gonna be honest, boy? That burn with passion. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, can I be real? Can I be real? That passion, that sexual passion, had you walk from eighty-seven oh one Woodyard Road to Alaska to get some. I, I mean, come on now, anybody know what I'm talking about? That passion is something else. It had you jumping through windows, you up on the second floor on the balcony, hanging on, trying to go up there and get you some. Anybody where I'm at, I'm I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. Man, y'all act like y'all don't remember passion. Man, that passion will burn you up. That passion had you in some places that you know you shouldn't have been in. The passion had you sleeping with some of them dudes and them girls you know you shouldn't have slept with. You look back now and say, why did I even give him some? Why did I ever give her some? That passion will take you out of here. Come on now. He says, look. I, I got the man on the keyboard with me now. He says, look. Get married because that passion is real. Man, that passion is real. That sexual passion will drive you crazy. He says it's time to get married. Feed your sexual passion with marriage. Not with everybody else because it's a sin against God. And some of us here are still fighting that. We know how that passion is. We know the desire that we have. And he said, burns with passion. Burns with passion. And this word, this, 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 this statement that he used, burn with passion, is so amazing because it means to be consumed with fire that never goes out. Man, it refers back, Pastor Reeves, to the burning bush. That is a fire that never is consumed. It's always burning every night, every day, every second, every minute. It's a passion that will never go out until you could get married. And then some of y'all passions still burn. And your wife like, you got to go this week. 
You can't keep coming back every week. But now some of y'all women like you, like, come on, baby, whatever. That was a joke. Come on, y'all. We're lighting up. Man. Man, y'all so holy in here, man. For real. Maybe my, my wife got her. She's sinking in her chair over that job. Am I good, babe? Give me thumbs up or something. Okay, all right. I'm just trying to teach. That's it. And it's real. And he said it's better to get married than burn with passion. Because that passion is going to cause you to lose your soul. That passion is going to keep you in rebellion to God. And you, as a Christian, would never see the full manifestation of God because of the passion you live in it. Because of the desire you live in it. You can never see God work um, uh, um, miraculously in your life. You will never stand in the open heaven with God because you're burning with that passion and you're trying to fulfill it on your own desires. He says, he says, it's time, it's time. It's time to get married. He said, go and get, and get married, then burn with that passion. And I ask today, Are you struggling with passion? Are you one of those singles that are struggling with sexual passion? You tried to do it on your own and you realize I can't do it. You realize every time I say no to whatever sexual activity come up, porn, porn, uh, pornography, masturbation, whatever sexual pleasure come up to your mind and you fighting it and saying no I can't do it it's a struggle and we as married people and as the body of Christ got to understand that we have singles that are struggling in this we have singles that are going through really trying to fight this thing and we looking at them funny we judging them but Paul lets us know that if you have to struggle, turn to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can help us in the struggle. He is the one that can fulfill us. Because when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? Now you have purpose and you have meaning. And the desires that you have become the desires that he has. The passions that you have now become the passions that he has. And he said that he can take care of your passions. Jesus can transform your walk. He can transform your walk. So all heads about, all heads about, even online, even online, on social media, all our social media sites, bow your head. Just make a sanctuary before you. Because I want to lift up our singles. And I want us married people. I want us praying for our singles. I want our leaders praying for our singles. I want, I want all of us praying for our singles because it's not easy. You have told yourself over and over that you're going to stop. You're going to told yourself over and over that, that you're not going to engage in that anymore. But it keeps seeming to lose. Over and over you losing. You fighting a battle that, that seems like it never is going to come to an end. But I, I, I want to introduce you to a person. I want to introduce you to a man named Jesus who was born of a virgin named Murray and lived for 33 years without sin. 
I want to introduce you to a man that came and died on the cross and took all your passions and your desires with him. I want to introduce you to a man who saw your faults, who saw your issues, who saw your troubles, and he looked past your faults and your issues and died for you because he loved you. And if he did all that out of love, he definitely can help you right now. So right now for my singles, for my singles that are struggling, for my singles, for my singles, I just want to lift up a prayer to you, for you. Father God, we come before you. Lord God, you have laid the scripture out well. Lord God, there's some you gave the gift of celibacy and some you gave the gift of marriage. But Lord God, while they in between, looking for that spouse, I pray that you keep them. Lord God, let the desires they have subside, Lord God. But remind them, Lord God, that they only, only, only going to subside if they surrender to you. Because, Lord God, you will take away those passions and those desires, but you will fill them to, with something else. So, Lord God, fill those desires with something else. I ask that you break chains today, Lord God. I ask that you remove bonds, Lord God. You unbound the singles, Lord God, that they may walk in purity of you. I pray in the name of Jesus that you set somebody free in his place today. I pray right now in the blood of Jesus that you cast out every desire that is not of yours. I pray right now in the blood of Jesus that you wipe out every passion that is not yours. Lord God, I pray for your mighty hand of power, your right hand of strength to deliver them right now in the name of Jesus. I call it out in the name of Jesus. I pray and I rebuke that, that passion that they have. That they may be sold out to you, Lord God. That they may embrace you. That they may bless your holy name, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. I ask that you move. Move on our singles, Lord God. Let them know, Lord God, that you got a greater thing waiting for them, Lord God. Let them know, Lord God, that you are the deliverer of everything, Lord God. You said, those who are brokenhearted come to me. And I'll heal your brokenness. Lord God, so we need your help. And as a married man, I stand in the gap for my singles. Of all ages, Lord God, that you help them with the sexual passion that they have. That you reveal to them their gift. If it's celibacy, Lord God, or if it's marriage. Reveal to them that they know and have a clear, a clear path to know exactly what you have for them. Lord God, we bless you in the name of Jesus. I lift up these singles. Amen. 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 Can you stand on your feet at this time? And this is a, a great opportunity as we come before God. Because with all of us, it starts with our foundation. And the scripture says, our foundation was that we were separated from God because of the sin of Adam and Eve. But because of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, he came to set us free 
from condemnation. And we set free from that condemnation, mean that separation from God, because Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for you. Some of y'all may be uh, going through that, that, that no one loved me, but Jesus loved you. Some of you may think that, that, that Jesus don't care, that God don't care about you because of sin you in. But Jesus died on the cross for everyone. And it says that he demonstrated his love. He did it before you was lovable. He did it before you was, was great. He did it before you even died. I mean, before the foundation of the world, he died on the cross for you. And I, that we may have eternal life. He laid the foundation for us. So today, here's a great opportunity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 